All right, welcome back to the Ottawa Studios of Inside My Canoe Head. I am Dr. D, your host. Today, we are talking about transitioning to becoming a prepper. So sit back, grab yourself your favorite beverage. Let's get at it. All right, thanks for joining us again here at Inside My Canoe Head. We are launching this episode because I think it's a really cool topic, but as well, we are then going to take about a 10-day break as the staff of Preparedness Labs Incorporated and our social media brand are on the road. We are going to Banff, Alberta. We are going to the Disaster Forum, a wonderful gathering of 120 of the smartest, most intelligent human beings related to disaster and emergency management, where we're going to have a big think tank in the Rockies. It's going to be incredible. So we'll be back to you on the 30th. So about a 10-day break. But in the meantime, thought it would be really important because it's come up a bit lately on the news media, especially with a lot of things happening around the world, about the idea of preppers. What is a prepper? Why do people want to become preppers? And why do they still make fun? You know, they crack all kinds of jokes about crazy people, wild people. And you see, I mean, I'll agree with that if you watch the National Geographic uh, special on Doomsday Preppers, or you think everybody who is a prepper is a candidate for the Alone Show. I mean, if you have this predetermined uh, silo that you're going to put everybody into because they use the word prepper or they're related to preppers or they talk about prepping, here today at Inside Mike and Head, we're going to offer you something slightly different. Well, how do we define a prepper? I think that's the number one thing we have to do because otherwise we won't agree with what we're talking about. And I understand that you may not agree with my definition of a prepper, but when you understand my definition, then you can frame and understand the context from where this conversation is going to go. Number one, a prepper is an individual who has a belief that there is an increased likelihood of a temporary fall down, collapse, and removal of governmental organizational capacity within your municipal and subnational government to the extent to where it's going to be difficult to carry on with normal operations and do normal things that you would do. That is what a prepper thinks. But the difference with a prepper that a lot of people leave off of that is that Somebody who will call themselves a prepper has the belief that there will be a recovery back to normalcy at some time in the not too distant future, but that this calamity, whatever may occur, is likely to bring society down to its most principled and basic operations for a period in excess of 14 days, probably likely closer to 30 to 60 days of significant struggle in the local and greater region. That's what a prepper is, right? So that's the first set of beliefs. Now, what does a prepper do to classify them as a prepper? So here at Inside My Canoe Head, we look at society as a modern, technologically enabled, connected, and coupled set of systems. And those systems are run by the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure. And if you understand that relationship clearly, that the element, the sectors of critical infrastructure and their subsequent parts are holding up society on a table. So if you think of a dining room table, all the legs underneath are your critical infrastructure and the wonderful glorious life that we enjoy up on top in this modern society underneath the visual line of where we think and where we see is what keeps everything operational. 
what happens in an emergency and a disaster by therefore definition is the loss of access to one of those elements of critical infrastructure for a period of time longer than, you know, a few minutes or something along that line. So if the power goes out for say four days, that's an emergency, not because somebody else called it an emergency, but because you have had loss of access to utilities, which is one of the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure. So if you understand why we frame it that way, we then define a prepper as somebody who has through their own actions created the ability to replicate at least one, if not more of those sectors of critical infrastructure for a period exact going on past 60 days and likely uh, forever. And so, for example, a prepper would be somebody who has that viewpoint that there's a coming likelihood of some type of significant event in society that will cause the loss of government and normal civic control for a period of, you know, two to three months, maybe at the most, but then society is going to recover. So as a prepper, I've decided that I need to be able to replicate the ability to generate utilities. I need to replicate the ability of society to generate food and water. So I've created a system through hunting, fishing, and gardening to be able to create a food source that I can, I and my family can rely upon if there's a problem with the modern food system. Because the food system is one of the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure. So if the food system goes down for whatever reason, a prepper is somebody who has the ability to replicate it. So he's replicating it not from a stockpile sense, but from a skill set and an ability to create, right? So Prepared individuals are people who stockpile something to fill a gap that may happen when a piece of critical infrastructure falls. A prepper is somebody who replicates the ability to generate that sector of critical infrastructure. It's a bit of a nuanced, but when you understand how the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure keep society running, the prepper is not looking at having 60 days of food to replicate, to fix a 60-day shortfall in the food element uh, sector of critical infrastructure, what a prepper is doing is the ability to create food in the long term. So they've created a system of some type somewhere through some set of relationships or 100% on their own to be able to grow their own food and harvest their own food so that if on the long term, the food critical infrastructure went down, a prepper would still eat. That's the idea of a prepper. That's how they're different. And so if you think of a balance scale, when we do this here at Inside My Canoe Head, and it's going to be part of our uh, continued addition to a product that we have available, is if you think of your vulnerability to a critical infrastructure shock. So think about how one of those sectors of critical infrastructure were to go down. How vulnerable are you to that? right? How much have you worked to help that out? And the other side of it is your resilience level. So the less and less vulnerable you become to a critical infrastructure shock, you increase your resilience. So people are running around talking about increasing resilience. That's a great word. When I did my PhD dissertation, I found no less than 32 definitions of resilience within the critical, within the peer-reviewed literature. So in other words, 
everybody's got a freaking definition of what disaster is. Everybody's got a definition of emergency. Everybody's got a definition of resilience. So if you look at the antonym, the thing that resilience has an inverse relationship to, then you're better able to explain resilience by explaining its antonym. And we do that by looking at your vulnerability to a critical infrastructure shock, right? So how impactful is the loss of something to you? Now that's going to differ between you and your neighbors and rightfully so, right? Your dependency on something will be completely different or maybe slightly different, but it will be different than that of your neighbors, your friends, your family, and the surrounding community that you live in. So if you understand your vulnerability or if you want to express it differently, if you understand your dependency on access to a critical infrastructure sector and therefore the loss of it is your vulnerability, if those are if that vulnerability is considered low, then by the inverse relationship, you have a high degree of resiliency. If you think of that, it's easier to describe and codify, measure, and subjectively analyze your level of resiliency when you look at its antonym. Why is that important? Because it allows us to be able to explain a phenomena. And as a scientist, we try to do that here at Inside My Canoe Head. We base all of our education strategy on research, right? Not hoopla, not a pocket talk. We tell you that your shelter in place plan should have 14 days of supply without access to the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure. And we do that because in research that we're doing now, and we're only partway through it, so these are not final numbers, but right now initial assessments are that in North America, 92% of the sectors of critical infrastructure are restored within a period of 14 days. So if you plan for 14 days, you have a 92% likelihood based on historical data to be up and running perfectly fine later. That's why we say 14 days, not some magical number that some guy in a PowerPoint presentation came up with. My number is based on hard research that we're doing. This is the difference at Inside My Canoe Head and our parent firm of Preparedness Labs Incorporated is that we talk about preparedness based on evidence, right? Which is why you don't hear me talking about kits and a whole bunch of other crap that you hear about. We talk about evidence and what really works. And with that, we look at, so what, when we circle back now to the conversation about a prepper, well, Prepper, when you want to look at it, when we talk about your basic preparedness plan, and it's in our book, uh, and it's in a bunch of podcast episodes, and in a new product that I'll talk about in a second, we ask you to have a trifecta of preparedness plan. So you have your shelter in place plan, which is your basic, right? That is your foundation on which everything else you're going to do in preparedness is, is structured upon. Now you have three scenarios. I call it the trifecta of preparedness and it's your most likely, your most dangerous, and loss of financial income. And you have a plan for each one of those. So what a prepper does is a prepper looks at that through the lens of how do I take this longer? How do I replicate what would be lost in the most likely? How do I replicate the events of the most dangerous 
and be able to support that in the long term, right? So when we talk about your evacuation plan, we talk about a destination where you can go to a friend and family, never a public shelter, never a hotel, never in just the neighboring town because that's what the public sector tells you about. We tell you to have a rock solid place to be in a friend and family basement where there's love, safety, and security, and you can feel calm and reduce everybody's stress and you can begin to sort out your life. The prepper takes that to the level where they have a place to go and they can thrive at that place. So they're evacuating to a secondary location where they can stay at that location for a long-term period if necessary and thrive at that location and not just survive. So again, if you think about framing the definition of a prepper through the idea of them being able to replicate the sectors of critical infrastructure, when they do their evacuation plan, they're replicating those capabilities at the new location. They're just not going to a new location. And it's the same for financial loss. Somebody in a prepper family looks at that and frames it to where most preppers will have at least three, but likely five principal lines of income coming into the house. So any one or two of those can be lost and they are able to meet their minimum standard income requirements to carry on at either their initial or their evacuation location. What that does is, again, it reduces their vulnerability to critical infrastructure shock and therefore, because it's the antonym, it raises their resilience. That, my friends, is a prepper. And from another perspective, if we want to look at trust and self-confidence and self-reliance, we understand the difference between self-reliance and self-sufficiency. The self-reliance word means you have the ability to navigate through a situation without external help. That means you either have the skills, knowledge, tools, or capability to solve a problem as it's presented to you. The more problems that you're able to solve yourself, the higher degree of self-reliance you have. That's self-reliance. Self-sufficiency is your ability to provide your animalistic requirements of food, water, shelter, health, safety, and security for the short, medium, and long term. So the more and more elements of those animalistic requirements that you can provide without requiring access to the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure defines your level of self-sufficiency. So if we understand that, hopefully I'm doing a reasonably successful job of outlining how the sectors of critical infrastructure are the foundational for the argument and how people interact, become reliant and less dependent on those to find their move to becoming a prepper. So you're transitioning from a prepared individual to a prepper. You can't go zero to 60 to prepping, right? It doesn't work. It is illogical and does not follow any type of prescribed process. And I use the word transitioning Uh, intentionally because in today's societal culture you can say you're something but that doesn't mean you're something right I can say I'm a prepper but that doesn't mean I'm a prepper somebody has to be able to put a logical defendable and arguable definition around something that is based on some element of plausible traceability and measurability right so I have to be able to say a prepper is x 
And when I see these variables and when I see these criteria, I can define the phenomenon that I'm looking at as a prepper. Somebody can walk up to a microphone and say, I'm a prepper and I have no idea. And I trust human beings for the most part are going to be telling me the truth. But that what that person may perceive to be a prepper may not be a prepper. And this gets into who gets to define the word. And this is a debate that actually has a lot more uh, argumentative lines and threads on Reddit and many other places than you would imagine because people get offended when somebody tries to define something and that definition falls out to be different from what they've understood the term to be. Now, I put my definition of prepper out there. I'm happy to argue and debate and discuss with anybody who has a different definition of prepper. It doesn't mean I'm right. It means I base mine on something that is defendable logic. You may have a different definition of a prepper and that's perfectly fine. But can you say you're a prepper and be a prepper? Well, we can all do that, right? If just because you say you're something doesn't mean you are that something right? You may honestly believe that to be true, but in reality, that doesn't make it true. And that's part of saying like, you know, I, I believe in X, Y, Z. And do you really, or are you just saying that because of the audience you're surrounding yourself with or, or the environment that you're in or, or the business that you may need? But anyhow, that goes down a bit of a rabbit hole, but understand that when people are, are walking around throwing terms right, left, and center, it's important to understand how they define it, right? Because if you do that within a non-combative or confrontational way, then you can you can ask somebody, somebody says they're a prepper, really? So what makes you a prepper? Why, why do you think you're a prepper? Why do you believe you're a prepper? And when you do that, you're offering the individual some, an, an opportunity to tell you about something they're passionate about, which for most people opens the floodgate of verbal diarrhea. Here it comes, right? You're going to get it. And then as you listen, you listen to understand and learn. You're not listening to respond, which is two completely different things. Then you get to understand their their foundation of their argument. And I'll tell you, and I've tell everybody, you know, I spent 11 and a half years of my 52 years uh, in university. And the best course I ever took was Professor Charbonneau's fourth year, half year credit course called How to Win an Argument. And it was fabulous psychology course. And it was about telling you to, using Venn diagrams and math, but the, the other part, the simplest, simpler part to describe is understanding that every argument that you are presented with has legs. It has strong foundational legs on which it's constructed. Your job first when you're entering a debate or an argument with somebody about a terminology or, or whatever something may mean, is it to understand what they're basing their argument on? Because I'm not going to tell the guy he doesn't understand what a prepper is. I'm going to find out what are the four main ideas that support it. And then I'm going to start deconstructing those ideas with them. So I'm not going to attack the table. I'm going to take the legs out from underneath the table. And this is a simplistic strategy, but it works exceptionally well when you're dealing with somebody who is very passionate about what they believe to be true and very passionate about how they use uh, nomenclature. Uh, it's very, it's just an interesting 
bit of sidebar there. So we're going to end off the podcast today a little shorter than normal because we've got a lot of preparations to get ready for the disaster forum. Preparedness Labs Incorporated is a proud sponsor of this uh, event. We've put money together and we are sponsoring some coffee breaks there. So we'll be there and come join us if you are in Banff. We would be happy to see you. Uh, Preparedness Labs Incorporated launched our beta version online of our Adopting a Prepared Life video course is now live on the internet. For the low price of $79 Canadian, you can sign up for a 21-video, two-hour-long course that Preparedness Labs Incorporated has created based upon the educational system that we developed from decade over a decade of research in emergency individual preparedness. It is available on the Thinkific platform. If you go to preparednesslabs.ca or inside mycanoehead.ca, there is a link there. It takes it to you. The benefit of this course is you join a community. It is a lifetime access. Once you're through the front door, we're not going to throw you out. And the idea behind it is it is a low barrier entry cost and you're in a permanent community. So over time, as hundreds and hundreds of people join this community, you will start to see a gathering of souls, people who are interested in preparedness. It's not going to be another Facebook group. It's an open discussion forum where you are only going to be interacting with people who have taken the same course as you and who have started down this journey. So you're only with people who are willing to drop a sh- very small amount of money, a low barrier to learn about our preparedness system in a succinct way. Everything that you will hear in that course, except for a few uh, really interesting nuggets, the majority of it is actually available on our 208 podcast episodes. Uh, feel free to listen to our something close to 107 hours of podcasts to get all the information and write it all down. Or you can listen to the two hour short version for a small barrier to entry that is available. Now feel free to check it out. We have a discount code type the word preparedness in where it says, do you have a coupon? Click on that. The word is preparedness low case. You should get a $20 off rate. And that means you're only going to pay $59, which is slightly below $40 US for the course. So get in there, get after it, invest in yourself, tell us what you think, give us your feedback. In any case, Preparedness Labs Incorporated is proud to say that this is the first of many preparedness type courses that are coming on the platform. We are starting negotiations with other uh, schools in North America about putting together a preparedness curriculum in a formal sense to where there will be a recognized preparedness certification available to those who are interested in truly learning about the art and the life of preparedness. So thanks for joining us this week at Inside My Canoe Head. I hope you will continue to listen past our short 10-day break while we enjoy the Rocky Mountains. My first time ever in there, and I cannot wait. I have heard nothing but brilliant things about it. So 
Thanks again for joining us. Drop us a line at jeffatpreparedneslabs.ca. Drop over to our social media, which now you know what we've been working on and why our social media has been a bit quiet over time. Uh, We are a small team, a loving and caring team, but a small team nonetheless that are trying to do great things to help build resilience in our community and to help everybody in this disruptive decade of the 2020s. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, Have yourself a great week. Take care and stay safe.